We're in our series called Light. And the picture that we've been painting each week is that every single one of us, we are all imprisoned in this dark cave of death. (laughs) Good news, right? But there are whispers of a greater world and there are rumors of a light that is outside of the cave and coming in and there is word of a rescuer who is that light who is coming into the cave to call us with his voice to come out of this cave of death and into light. And today is about hearing that voice, the art of hearing the voice of this rescuer. And he's going to call us in three different ways and he's going to be calling out to three different types of people. He's going, to be off, he's going to be calling us to a greater faith. He's going to call us to a greater hope. And he's going to call us to a greater life. And there are three different types of callings right there for you to see. And so the question is, how do you hear it? How do you know when you're hearing his voice? And how should you respond when you do? We're in John. We're going to be reading verse, we're chapter 11. We're going to read verse 20. And then we're going to skip to verse 28 and read through 44. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus, who had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him, when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account for the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The first calling that we see here is a calling to the Christian. And this is a calling to the Christian to a greater faith. So if you're a Christian, I want you to really be challenged today. I want really you to take a look at your faith and be challenged by the 
the degree to which you are willing to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that this is true. So we saw last week Martha's exchange with Jesus. And Jesus said to her, for whoever believes, though he die, he will still live. And Martha said, I believe. So fast forward to this week. And Jesus says to Martha, Martha, remove the stone from the tomb. And Martha responds and says, but it's going to stink. He's been dead four days. What's just happened? She doubted. She questioned. She wasn't sure that this could really happen. And Jesus says to her, Martha, I told you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. What he's saying is that, Martha, you should have heard me say, remove the the stone from the tomb, and you should have responded with excitement. You should have responded with wonder about what I'm about to do. You should have responded with expectancy that something great is about to happen but she doesn't. She says, it's going to stink. What you're about to do is going to cause our lives, everyone around us, you're going to cause everything to stink because you're doing something that is going to cause it to stink. And, and Jesus is like, no, I've called you to faith. I've called you to believe, to wonder, to know that something great is going to happen because I've called you to do something. And what I've called you to do will bring about good in this world. Her lack of faith caused her not to do what Jesus called her to do. Her faith should have given her a sense of wonder, but instead she says, it's going to stink. So Christian, Jesus is calling us to have this holy ambition, this excitement to do what he's called us to do because we know if we do it, we're going to see his glory in our lives. Last week, after the sermon, after the Sunday morning, I was driving home, and I was kind of praying, I was just kind of thinking, and, and I was just kind of feeling like, man, today was dull. And, and I know for a lot of you, a lot of you said last week was really great for you, but here, for me, I felt like I was going through the motions, I felt like I was just doing what I needed to do, and I felt like I lacked a holy ambition, I lacked encountering God's glory, I lacked the excitement and the wonder of God being there and encountering his glory, I just was lacking it, and I was driving home, and I was just feeling like, man, I'm just tired of going through the motions, I don't want to go through the motions anymore, I want to live for something so much greater than what I've been doing, I want to live with this faith, no, I don't want to live for myself anymore, I want to live for God and his glory, and some great things to happen through, through me doing the things that God has called me to do. Basically, when he, remove, when he says, remove this stone, I don't want to hesitate anymore. I don't want to keep on just thinking, ah, you know, Jesus, you're calling me to do this, and uh, I hear what you're saying, but it's going to stink. I don't want to do that. I just want to go run and remove the stone and then say, okay, we did that one. What's the next one? What's the next one? And I just want to see his glory just come pouring out because we're, I'm doing the things that he's calling me to do. See, my problem is that I have a belief problem. We all do. How willing are you, Christian, to risk everything to do what he's calling you to do. When you know he's calling you to do something, are you willing to do it? 
So you're, you know, you're reading the Bible and you read something and you say, well, gosh, I'm not doing this that he's calling me to do. How willing are you to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what he's calling me to do. Or you're praying and you're getting a sense that he's calling you to do something. Are you willing to do the things that he is calling you to do? I think a lot more than we would like to admit, we would say no. We'd say, I don't want to do that. That's going to stink. I don't want to do the things that you're calling me to do. And what it is, is it's a lack of faith that's causing us, the Christian, to hesitate in obeying him, to hesitate in doing the things that he's called us to do. There's a stone here, and he's saying, remove it. And we're saying, no, I don't want to do that. It's going to stink. We pause. We wait. And here's what starts happening to us. We start going through the motions, and our life becomes dull and meaningless and boring because he's calling us to do these exciting things, but we're pausing, we're hesitating, we're not doing it. I think every Christian would say they wish they had more faith than they do. And there's a way to get it, but it comes with a price. You have to kill something your pride. And it's a lot harder than you think it is. It's a lot harder than you think it is. So you have to be willing to be corrected by Christ and then listen to do the things that he's calling you to do. So if Martha, Martha wouldn't have been willing to be corrected, so she didn't want to remove the, the stone from the tomb. If she would not have been willing to be corrected, she never would have removed the stone, and the glory of God never would have been revealed because Lazarus wouldn't have come out of the tomb. But she was willing to be corrected, and she listened and did what he called her to do. And there are stones in your life Jesus is calling you to remove and you're pausing, you're hesitating, you're waiting and you're not doing what he's calling you to do. I'm doing it, you're doing it. We gotta be willing to have the faith to listen and be corrected. Could it be that God is calling you to do something completely different than what you're doing in some area of your life? Could it be that he's calling you to do something completely different, but you're scared, you're hesitating, you don't want to remove the stone. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Or maybe, could it be that he's calling you to do something to bring his kingdom here on the earth, here in Port St. Lucie, here in Fort Pierce, here into your workplace, into your family, into this church? Could it be that he's calling you to do something, but you're hesitating, you're not willing to do what he's calling you to do, you don't want to remove the stone? I don't know what he's calling you to do specifically, but I do know what he's calling you to do in general. And here's what he's calling you to do, to love. But to have a love that is from outside of this world that has come into this world. Look at what Martha did. Every time Jesus told her to do something, it was for the sake of another. It was for love. So, so Jesus says to her, remove the stone. This is for Lazarus so he can come out of the tomb. Then he says to Martha, Martha, go get Mary and bring her to me. So Martha goes to get Mary and brings her to Jesus. There's nothing greater than being able to bring somebody to Jesus. These are things that are done for the sake of love. That's what he's calling you to do. That's how he's calling you to obey him. Do you love others honestly? 
Do you love others more than you love yourself? (laughs) Okay, but listen. Okay, here's the correction. Jesus says, love others more than you love yourself. And he's saying, if you don't do that, and if you will not have the faith to do that, if you will not be willing to be corrected, then you're missing out on my glory. Are you willing to forgive those who have wronged you? If not, there's a belief problem, and you're missing out on his glory. Do you love people more than you love money? If so, then you're missing out on his glory because he's calling you to go and love. But you've got to listen and obey for, his, for the stone to be removed so you can see the glory pour out. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm not saying I do it all the time. Very rarely do I do it, maybe, if I'm being honest. But we're being called to correction. We're being called to a greater faith. And if we would just do it, there's so much doubt that's in us. And if we would just obey him and do the things he's calling us to do, I think we'd see his glory and our doubt would begin to wipe away because we're starting to listen to him. It's like when we start to have faith a little bit, it starts to go and move and the, you know, the, the stone starts rolling and eventually it's moving fast enough to where the faith is just going more and more and you're doing things and they're giving you more faith and then your faith is causing you to do things and you're just growing in faith and his glory is being revealed more and more. So that's the first type of Christian. The Christian who's being called a greater faith. The second type of person is a Christian or maybe not a Christian. But the second type of person is someone who's hopeless. The second type of person is being called to a greater hope. So here's the situation. Mary and Martha's brother has just died. Lazarus has died. And look at what Martha does. Martha's first response is to go and run to Jesus. But Mary paralyzed into hopelessness. She's, she's paralyzed. She stays in her home. She doesn't run to him, but she stays hopeless. She stays in her home of hopelessness. And then look at what Jesus does though. Jesus says to Martha, Martha, go get Mary. Here's what Jesus is doing. Where with Martha, he's saying, Martha, I've got an action for you to do. I've got stuff for you to do. Go do it. Do what I'm telling you to do. But he doesn't do that with Mary. He doesn't tell Mary to do anything but to come to him. Mary doesn't have the strength to obey Jesus. She doesn't want to. She's paralyzed. What she needs is him. And Jesus knows that. And so she said, he says, Martha, go get Mary. She needs me. Bring her to me. And so, I mean, if you are paralyzed into hopelessness, you don't want to listen to what God is calling you to do. What you need is just Jesus himself. You just need him. And what he's doing is he is not calling you to action. He's acting for you. He goes and he removes the stone and he does something that's going to give you hope. He raises Lazarus from the dead. So he's doing something that's going to give Mary hope. He doesn't challenge those. Listen to this. Listen, Jesus doesn't challenge those who have lost hope. He just calls them to himself so that their faith might be reignited. You know, when, one of the worst things you can do, I mean, don't do this. When someone is hopeless, don't tell them to toughen up. It's not going to work. 
and don't tell them to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps because that, I mean, that literally can't be done. I mean, just try it right now. Grab your shoes. Go ahead and pull yourself. Pull your butt up off of the seat. You can't do it. It can't be done. That's the whole, thank you for some of you for trying. You listen, you need to be willing to be corrected for not listening, all the rest of you. Now, so if this is what it's like for the hopeless person, they're in quicksand. And what they keep trying to do is pull themselves up by their bootstraps. And all that does is cause them to sink more and more and more. What they need is a rescuer. What they need is the Christ. The only way to get out of hopelessness is to go to him. And it's to hear his voice, not calling you to change, but simply calling you to himself. Some of you guys, you're so hopeless. And you keep trying to obey God because you think if you just obey him enough, then you're going to not be hopeless anymore. And you're doing the worst thing you can do. All you've got to do is stop trying to obey the things he's telling you to do and just go to him. You're, you're trying to obey him without going to him, and it doesn't work that way. You got to go to him for hope. Some of you guys, you've been hopeless for a long time. And you keep trying to toughen up. And you're reading self-help books. You're reading all this stuff that's going to maybe encourage you. All the while, you're never going to him. And you're even mad at God because he's not giving you hope. But he's sitting there like, just come to me. And you keep doing all of this other stuff and you're mad at God, but you're not listening to him. He's calling out to you and he's just simply saying, come to me. Just come. So how do you go to him when you're hopeless? What does that actually look like? If you're, if you're feeling hopeless, how do you go to him? Here's how. Three ways. You get into his word. You go to him that way. You, get, you go to him in prayer. And you go to him through the church. The church is called the body of Christ. You're encountering God here. That's what the church is meant to be. That's church, what the church is meant to do. So, so let's take the Bible. You go to the Bible, you're feeling hopeless. Here's what you do. You go to the Psalms. And you know what the Psalms are doing? A lot of the Psalms, the, the psalmist, the person who's writing is saying, God, I am hopeless. I'm frustrated. And then there's a shift in the psalm. And the Psalms start saying, but here's all the reasons why I ought to hope in God. And then the psalmist starts hoping. And that's what happens. He's calling you by his word, by prayer, and, and, and by coming into the church. But look, I don't know what has you hopeless, but I do know that nothing's going to work except for going to him. You might be able to trick yourself. You might be able to read some self-help things. You might be able to find some ways to kind of distract you from your hopelessness, but eventually you're going to have to deal with it, and the only one who can deal with it is Christ. And perhaps what you need is a Martha to bring you to Jesus, to bring you to the Christ. You're stuck in your house of hopelessness, and you need someone to just drag you out of there. Or maybe you're a Martha I've, men, I kind of feel like I'm insulting you a little bit because I keep calling you Marthas and Marys, but maybe you're like a Martha and you're being called to a greater faith and you're being called to action and maybe that action is to go and walk alongside a Mary and bring that Mary to Christ. 
So those are two. Call to faith, call to hope. And the last one is a calling to the spiritually dead to come out of the grave. You know that Christianity, you know what it's saying? It's saying that every single one of us before Christ were spiritually dead. But there's a voice, a deep thunderous voice that's calling out into this cave of death and calling us out to come out of it into life. And here's the thing about us and when we're dead, we can't make ourselves alive. We can't breathe life into ourselves. What do we need? We need to hear the powerful voice of Christ calling us out. That's what happened to Lazarus. He heard this powerful voice. And here's what, here's what happened. So Lazarus walks out of the grave and he's bound in grave clothes. He's all wrapped up. He would have had to hop out. I mean, this would, this would look crazy. So this guy's all wrapped up. He's hopping out of the tomb. And Jesus says, remove his grave clothes, unbind him. And in one sense, he's saying it to the people, go unbind Lazarus. But in another sense, he's speaking to death. And he's saying, death Lazarus is mine now. Unbind him. Let him go. He is now mine. Setting us free by going to him, by hearing this powerful voice. And listen, this is no, this is no tender voice to the hopeless, and this is no voice of correction. This is the voice of the cosmic king this ancient voice, yet this voice that is here present among us, calling us out. And if you're saying right now, okay, I can buy that with hope. Jesus could give someone hope. Someone could have faith in him. But you're talking about magic now. You're talking about Jesus raising somebody from the grave. I and mean, this is magic, right? I say, no, this is not magic. This is history. This has happened. The movement of Christianity never would have gotten off the ground if this had not happened because the story of Lazarus starts circulating. And someone who knows Lazarus is going to be like, I know Lazarus. And so they go and run over to Lazarus and they're like, hey man, listen, there's some weird stuff being said about you that you rose from the dead. And Lazarus is like, I did, it was crazy. And then he's like, no way. Yeah, yeah, this really happened. It was really crazy. If, if that did not happen, people would have found out immediately. He would, have been, he would have been asked questions. Listen, Christianity, Christianity, there is no cover-up to try to prove Christianity true. The cover-up is to get people to not believe it's true. That's the conspiracy. Listen, the next chapter, they're trying to kill Lazarus. Do you know why? They're trying to kill him because they see this movement taking birth, this movement of people following Jesus, and they're like, we got to kill Lazarus because if we kill him, then people are going to stop talking about this. They're trying to cover up something that has happened. Could it be that you've never heard this voice of Christ calling your name and he is screaming your name out, but you're not listening to him. What does it sound like to hear his voice if you're not yet a Christian? Here's how it sounds. We talked about last week. There's a deep groaning within you. And the groaning is saying there's something wrong. 
There's something wrong in this world. There's something wrong going on inside of me. That I don't like it and I can't get it to stop. There, things are not the way they're supposed to be. There's a longing for a greater world. And, and here's also how it looks. You take an honest look at the death that is coming to all of us and you say, is this really it? Like, is this how it's going to end for me? After this, it's all over. You take an honest look. And if you're honest, you don't want that to be true. And what you have is you have a thunderous voice of Christ calling out to you, no, it's not true. He's calling your name. He's saying, don't fall for the lie. This is true. I think we're Christians, we're really good at at doubting our beliefs. And we like to pretend like it's not there. And I think, to a degree also, we need to get used to doubting our doubts, all of us. We need to be willing to doubt our doubts and keep an open mind about Christianity. He's calling you out, saying, come out of the grave. And by the way, so he would have come out and he would have been all wrapped up in grave clothes. He would have been hopping, hopping out. And for the Christian, what is true is, the grave clothes have been removed. But you know what a lot of us are doing? We're, we're Christians that are hopping around without grave clothes on, and we look ridiculous because we're hopping around and there's nothing around our feet. But do you know what's happening? We still think we're bound by death. We think we're bound by the things of this world. And so we just keep hopping around and hopping around all the while our grave clothes are gone. I've heard, uh, I've heard that the way that an elephant trainer will train elephants is that they will put a chain around their leg. And it might have spikes on it, I'm not really sure, but basically what happens is this elephant feels pain every time it tries to run away or get away. And so it just eventually stops trying to run. And then all the elephant trainer has to do is put a rope around the elephant's foot and the elephant won't go anywhere. It's scared of the pain. It doesn't want to feel the pain. But you and I know that elephant could just take off running and break that, chain or break that rope very easily. Christian, could it be, likely for all of us it is, we are hopping around with grave clothes on when we are meant to run free and risk and love and live this adventure, but we can't live this adventure because we still feel like we've got our grave clothes on. We're scared to live the life that Jesus is calling us to live and we're scared to run to him because we feel like we're going to feel stupid or something. When all we've got to do is take the risk and run to him, the grave clothes are gone. The life that he is calling you to is likely so much greater than the life that you are experiencing right now. And he's calling you to greater faith in him. And he's calling you to correction and obedience. And he's calling you to live and to hope in him. Now, last thing, and I don't want you to miss this. There's a lot of similarities between Lazarus' resurrection and Jesus', Jesus's. But there's also a lot of differences. Lazarus died because of his own sickness. Jesus died for our sickness. 
for our spiritual sickness so that he might bring us to life. He takes, takes the power, the sin that we have in our life, he rids us of it. He rids us of its power over us so that we might live the life that we're meant to live. And Lazarus didn't defeat death, he escaped it. But Jesus didn't escape death. He took it head on and he defeated it so that death no longer has hold of us. And Lazarus's resurrection brings him back into this world. Lazarus raises back into the same life he had before. But Jesus's resurrection brings us into a whole new world, into his world, the world that we are made for. And Lazarus was taken but Jesus laid down his own life and then he took it back up again. We gotta learn to listen to his voice call us. And I'm gonna tell you, there's so many distractions that are in our lives and we are missing it. We're missing his voice call out our names. We're so distracted. We're, 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 we're so wound up with all the things that we think we need to do. What all we need to do is be still before God so that we can hear his voice and everything becomes clear. Those moments of clarity are when we're with him and we see what is real. God is not an idea. He's real. And his son has come for you.